Hi guys, welcome to the Man V Fat Podcast. This is episode 29. Uh, previously, you would have heard our incredible episode from the Etihad campus. I am joined by, as ever, producer extraordinaire, Roman Conrad. Hi Stu, how are you doing? Good mate. And as well, I'm also joined by Ross. Hello, Hunter. you alright? How are you guys? Good, good. How did you find the episode from the Etihad? Listening back. Seems like ages away, it doesn't does it? It does seem a long time ago. I don't, do you know what? I can't listen to him. I can't listen to my own voice. I genuinely, I start, I does listen great, to yeah? about, yeah, it does my head in. I listen to about the first, probably everyone else is going, yeah, mate, it does too. <laughs> <laughs> I first listened to about the first 20 minutes and I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I was in the car and just had to, had to turn it off. So, and, and I'm listening, you know, you start playing back the story and you're like, I don't remember mm. saying that, don't remember saying that, don't remember saying that. You see what I mean? From what I listened to, it sounded all right. Um, I only got through, like I said, the first bit of it, so I don't know if I'm being perfect. <laughs> as soon as you came in, you were like, yeah, turn that off. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. How did you find it, Rom? Uh, Apart well, from obviously editing it. Oh, well, that headache, yeah. There was a lot. Um, no, do you know what? I just wanted to, I wanted more time with everybody. Everybody, everybody who came up to us and actually spoke to us. I wanted more time, sit, sit, sit down more in kind of a, in a more intimate environment because um, they really had a lot to say. How did the sound come out when we were sat in that big room? And we were doing that one, did, that did right? you not listen to the podcast? No, I just said that, no I didn't. No. <laughs> At least I'm honest. Okay. I thought that was alright to be honest when we were doing that. To be fair, we've had no complaints so far. Um, but you kind of know. Um, well, we have. We did have one complaint actually on the podcast and it was that my mic's always too low. Yeah. I agree with that. I always think it is as well. Yeah. Well, it's, I can hear it in my ears right now. In your ears? <laughs> not in... Coming in your ears. <laughs> We're not, not Charlie FM. You can't, can't hear it through your eyes, Rob, no. <laughs> well, why would you even say that, Stu? You? you just had to top You just said it specifically because where you was hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Oh, We're here uh, with Gary Davis. Gary, how are you? I'm all right, Stu. Good. Gary uh, is a player in Salford. You were formerly a player at Manchester. For a time, yeah. Uh, what's your weight loss to date, Gary? Um, officially, uh, I, I'm not too sure what I started on. It were either 134.6 or 136.4, and I'm down to 109 kilograms now. So that's what 20. 20 30, we'll call it 35 kilos, something like that. Have you picked that up? Have you picked it up as a weight? Have you been to the gym and lifted what you've lost? Uh, I do a couple of weights outside and like where I live as well so yeah I sort of have an idea it's still baffling really but it's mad isn't it yeah it's, <laughs> it's an heavy weight yeah. I think it used to walk around with that yeah it's like no driving. problem you, look, you just walk around with it you, at one point you were playing football with it as well Gary yeah 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 he was I'm mad, playing well to be fair I'm playing pretty well yeah, yeah. give him that Gary Goals Gary Goals the legendary yeah. Gary Goals I remember my debut actually you know the obesity in Manchester yeah. I told you I rolled like, I roll like Callum McCoyst didn't I <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was warming up, you know, doing, you know, watch Kez when school teachers That's warming school up teacher. like knees to chest and stuff like we're giving it big licks like and then I went for for sprint at ball we were against into my scran and my, I think it was my hamstring, it just pinged. I didn't even touch the ball and it just went. <laughs> so when they said Alan McCoyst, you meant Alan McCoyst now of his age yeah, like, now. Alan McCoist yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I told him about like, Alan McCoyst in my prime, whatever like he is now, eh? and it made yeah. me, me, me hamstring. That could be out for a couple of weeks, did it? Yeah, it put me out, yeah. Kept me focused though, it didn't really affect my weight loss, I wouldn't have thought. 
Incredible. So at Manchester, the majority, would you say the majority of that weight came off at Manchester when you were playing the Manchester League? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit easy, but I reckon season, if I join you boys at season two, um, and then obviously season three, that's when me and you were going square tongue, you know what I mean? We were going going for it for the golden move. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd say that's where the bulk of it come off. And I, and I, and I didn't even realise it had come off. Until uh, I went, I went home because I work away from home, and it was like one, one weekend in winter. I went home, and um, I tried a coat on, and it was just, it just drowned me. Yeah. And I couldn't even zip it up before. And that's when it clicked that I'd lost weight. Yeah, it's mad in it how you yeah. don't. Cause you probably as well when you're working away, you're probably just in that that mentality of you just you know go to work, train, eat well, go yeah. play football. And it doesn't. It's them little moments like that that you think. Oh bloody hell! That has made a massive amount of difference. Yeah. You two had a really good competition though in that, in that season. It was really. good. I wouldn't have lost anywhere near anyway. I lost that season without Gary. No. Nowhere near. Yeah. Well, I, for me, it were. I don't think I'd have lost weight without you. To be fair, I think we bounced off each other. Yeah. Which I'm gutted about because I it's lost. It's a good fat man joke, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 <Thank you for. laughs> but yeah, I'm gutted. Well, I'm not gutted because it's a team effort, isn't it? And it was good to see. But I lost in the my my. Me pushing me pushing my exercises on you made you work harder, and I think in the end it were a kilogram. I think. Yeah, it was going to be a kilogram in it. Yeah. yeah. And I were absolutely gutted. Yeah. But I weren't because I rap it for obviously. Yeah, it was only a kilogram in it. the league that year for that as well, which were a bonus. It just used to make me laugh. I'd just be like, I'd just be like at nine o'clock at night, just at home, just chilling out, and get a little message message come through on the text, and it'd be like <laughs> Gary just going out for a run, and be like. Tiff from going out, she, where are you going? It's nine o'clock, I've got to go for a run. Gary, Gary's running. <laughs> like, I need to go and run. She'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, I'll, I'll be back in an hour. I feel it. Half an hour. Uh, that, that one for me as well. That, you know, sometimes I weren't going to do it and then you'd like, you're up, Gary, and I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, right, you know, it's raining outside and I, mean, I was straight in the running gear out on the street. Like, yeah, it is, it is a big driver, that. Uh, I know previously, in previous seasons, um, at Salford, a couple, a couple of lads who were in the same team, around the same weight, were like, right, competition, let's have it. Yeah. You know what I mean? See who can lose the most, see who I've can get down. I've done a lad in our season, in this, in this one. Yeah. Just said, we're, he was, I think he was about a kilo over me. All right, right, race to, race to 90. Call him out. Let's see, James Melling. Right, like, James. Race, race to 90k we're on. Right. So I went away on holiday and put a shitload away on. So he's, he's, not, he's winning now. So, he's miles in front of you now, isn't he? All for a pint is what we're doing it for. For one beer, whoever gets to 90 first. So let's, I want to talk about your early life, Gary. Go back to your youth. Uh, you're from Burnley. Aye, yeah. Burnley born, Burnley born and bred. Born yeah. Or oh, inbred, whatever you want to say. You know. I didn't say that. No. <laughs> I did. <laughs> So what were you like at school? Teared away? Uh, to be honest, at primary school I was just a quiet lad. Just, you know, just a chunky, freckly, quiet lad. Uh, high school, obviously that escalated into being a big lad. And uh, I, c- I can always remember like one thing that was sticking made, and that were there were a lad there, you know, straight ace. Like, obviously, I come from a council, so I, you know, I'd take me, take me as I am. And they were a lad there, and it, it come from a bit more, I won't say privilege, because no one in Burnley is really privileged. You know, well, they might be. Um, <laughs> but uh, it come from a, a, you know, a little, sort of a better estate. And uh, I don't, I don't want to say his name, because you know, he's still my 
yeah, yeah, my yeah, motivation. Yeah. Uh, probably won't appreciate me banging his name out. Uh, and something, ever since I was a young boy, uh, I wanted to join army, and I always, when everybody were in like normal clothes, I was always in combat clothes. Um, my granddad used to take me to army and navy stores and buy me all gear and stuff, but because I was like big, he used to buy me like small man's kind of side, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah, then yeah. Like, sort, of, sort of my early recollections, and this this bloke, Tom, he was going to be a rocket scientist for all I knew because he was a straight A student, come from more of a, a privileged background. And we were doing, um, I don't know what you call it, in, in Stockport or Manchester, track and field athletics, sports yeah. stage, you know what I mean? And uh, I would come in last, I come last in all the races, in all the running, the shop, but everything, I just come last. And in the end, at the end of the uh, sports day, went into the changing rooms, I can still I can still remember it now. And he just said, there's no way you're getting it, armour, because you're too fat. And that rate. Yeah. That way, I just he was your drive. I need to prove you wrong. Yeah, that and my granddad. My granddad obviously took me to the army cadets and stuff like that. So he had a big influence on me joining the army as well. So what? So what age? What age did you did you sign up straight from school? Uh, I, I, I actually signing up. I signed up in in year ten. You, there's a process you've got to sort of go through, uh, and then you actually take your oath of allegiance in year eleven. And I, I think. When I actually signed on the dotted line, I got accepted for the army. I was 15 in nine months. Oh. Um, the, the reason being for that is when I, my birthday is at the end of July, and if they'd have waited for me to take the next intake, then I'd have had to wait another year. Right. Yeah. To, to join up, so they basically accepted me, and with what had happened the previous year, uh, September 11th, I don't think they were taking any chances on. Old enough recruits driving yeah, yeah. to get people ballering and send them out to Iraq. So you you weren't even sixteen. No. Joined up. Where did you go and train? I went to Army Foundation College in Harrogate. Uh, for all my failings at school, they got me some MVQs in RT, maths, science, computers, and all that kind of stuff. But for where I was going and what I chose to do, there were no need for all the academics. I, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, and to put it bluntly, I can, I can remember it now, I was sat in prefect room, believe it or not, I was a prefect, paid someone, no. <laughs> uh, and I can remember the smoking Twin Towers in, in New York, and there and then, I just said it's not happening in my country, and I just wanted to join up, and I wanted to go over to wherever I needed to go, and I actually went into the careers office, and I want to go in, and I want to kill people, I said, my, Education, I've not got anything, and they were just like, We know what you're going in, and they sent me on the front line in the infantry, right? And that was my attitude. So, that so that that was even before 16, you, you were down at yeah, in Arrogate. How, how, how was that going leaving home at that? And obviously, you, you're pursuing your dream, but was it hard? Uh, yeah, it, it was hard because obviously, I went to Arrogate, I would. I, 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 just turned 16, so I was very early in my me, in me 16th year. And and when I went there, even then, I knew I was fat. Because I went there and everyone... Were you were, fat? Were you, did you see yourself as being the, the biggest lad in your age? Yeah, like, easily. Yeah. And do you think you were? Oh, no, there were two people. There were a lad from Bolton and uh, and there were another lad. And, and I'd say we were the, work, like, the biggest, biggest out of a full intake of 52 lads. And I knew I was going to struggle because... 
obviously we've gone there, I mean we were people from all over the UK, they all had six packs, some of them even had illegal tattoos from when they were, because everyone was 16, or they call them boy soldiers, and everyone were pale, I can just remember everyone were pale, some of them had like, what you call crap tattoos and stuff like that, you know, bits and bats that they've had done and they all had six packs, you know, because they've been starving, because we were all in the same boat, we'd all come from nothing, and some people come from less than nothing, and uh, I, I, can, I can just, I can remember looking at my body and looking at theirs and it would, I just thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to struggle. Did you feel like the private pile out of... Um, That's exactly what I wear. Was it full metal jacket? That's exactly what I wear. And, and as we'll go on through this, I got hounded my entire career for it. So the point of bullying. Wow. Say. So, what, so in the army. In the army. Yeah. Let's let's just just go back. So, so how did you you get up? How did you get up to shape? Obviously, the the beast in you and, and they're getting you up to a level. Yeah. To be able to go and 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 go and serve. Pr- pretty much like you at school. If you've got a subject at school, you don't enjoy it and you don't put any effort in. And for me, it was maths. I was absolutely rubbish at maths. So when I turned up to maths, I just didn't do maths. My, it was PT. I lost sleep over doing fitness. I just lost. I'd be going to. I'd know I'd have it if it were a mile and a half run in the morning, which was my worst sub, which was my worst one. That's a mile and a half, and it was ten and a half minutes then. Um, or if it were an eight mile run with full combat gear on, I just lost sleep. And what I did is, I just got to the basic requirement. But so if it were like ten and a half minutes, I'd come in at ten twenty nine. And I, as long as I come in underneath or met the basic requirements, I'll wrap it. They weren't, but I'll wrap it. And like I say, when we go on a bit further, I just got tortured through it. So, so you were just scraping on, just scraping in. Yeah. Um, but you were in. But I was passing, yeah. But you were passing. Yeah. So like you say, they didn't react too well to that. No. So, so what happened there? Um, basically, because I was usually the last one in on the runs, or I'd be dropping back on the runs. So say like you go for an eight-mile run. You had your full combat fighting order on, which were 55 kilograms Jesus. on your back, plus whatever body weight I were carrying. Yeah. Then you had your weapon, which were about 4.7 kilograms, uh, depending what you were a specialist in. Obviously, I'm talking about later on in my career because I've become an heavy weapon specialist. So I were carrying general purpose machine guns that were 12 kilograms ever, Christ. as well as my body weight, as well yeah. as all the extra ammunition as well, because you were part of a support group. and, and uh, I can remember it, we, we went up to um, a place in Northumbria and we had two hours and 20 minutes to do a full combat run, eight mile. They'd give you an extra 20 minutes because of the weight you were carrying on. Uh, it was a support company combat fitness test. And I, kind of, I can remember him saying, you've got two hours and 20 minutes, go. And obviously you all start off in a squad and then eventually the stronger members go to the front, the weaker members end up dropping back. And I come in with 20 minutes to spare. I come in at two hours. And I were absolutely over at me, but because I got the last one in, I got pelters. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Did you just, do you think that that target was just on your the target? Target me because I was the biggest lad. So yeah. if I'd have come in uh, an hour and a half, but I was the last lad, I'd have got it. Oh, well, uh, obviously, the, the, like you say, the, the targeting you, um, rightly or wrongly, to get you up to where you need to be. Do you think that? Do you feel as though that crossed the line at points? Yeah, but I dealt with it. Um, it, it, it was just the army. It didn't bother me. It, I just, it just put it in my head, boxed it away. It never pushed me on, you know, because I knew I was going as hard as I could go. Yeah. So someone's like, "Get up there, you're effing." 
Do you think it was just it was just pointless to do it to you? Yeah. You just because I just kept pouring on anyway. It's like what Ross said. I've heard him talk about it a couple of times now. And it, fat fit. He was saying he was yeah. fat fit. But what this used to say to me is, I were a triple F. One of the words I can't say. <laughs> right. But it were a fit fat. F. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I was. So you're saying you're fat fit, and I'm yeah. a fit fat fit. <laughs> so, so like to get to get the weight off, if 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 they wanted you to to obviously, I got put on fat camp. Is that is that what they do? Toward, no, it were towards the end of my career in the army. It got to the point where obviously the uh, not the recession, the um, austerity had kicked in with the governments and stuff like that, and they were looking for things to kick lads out. And the first thing they went to were the fat lads. Right. Um, like you could have a lad that would run a mile in like three seconds, but it'd be thick as mints. Whereas you'd get the bigger lads, which were like, which were very much like me. I knew everything about all the equipment, and I knew I was really clued up on everything. But I, I wasn't fit. Yeah. I was fit, but I wasn't the fittest. Yes. That's yeah. why I never promoted. That uh, that's why I never excelled in my army career because it were all on fitness rather than knowledge, and. Uh, the, the centre stood, it was called Fat Camp as well. And I was going to say, it, was that actually it, it was actually what? called Fat Camp, it was as blunt as that. They took us into a middle uh, a camp in the middle of Catterick Woods and just absolutely thrashed us. But the thing is, because everyone was fat, it, it didn't really... <laughs> everyone just dropped back at the, like, the line. You, you set off in squads, of, like in lines of three, like all bunched together, 50 lads, and then suddenly like it just ends up being a long line for a mile long because everyone's a different. everyone was just fat. No, they didn't tell you anything about nutrition. No, that's what I was just just yeah. about. So actually, like, you like, oh, eat chicken, like, eat pasta, right, eat yeah. this, and then they just be- they just beast you, and right. you're just like, oh, right. So when you used to go and get your, like, your meals in, like the the is it called the naffy? Yeah, right? well, the, the, it's, I was just you know, there's something happened in the army where when I first joined, um, all your accommodation and your food come out at the beginning of the month, and that was uh, all your food were prepared by army chefs. And it was good quality food, good quality chicken, good, qu- you know, you could go for brunch at weekend and you get chicken nuggets and chips with a big breakfast and yeah. and it were all good quality. And then the cha- something changed while I, like halfway through my career and it changed to a company called, well, I don't know if I can mention it, but I'm going to Sodexo, I'm going to call it as it is because yeah, they've, yeah, ruined, they've ruined a lot of people's careers because the, the standard of food changed, like for lads eating raw chicken, cold beans, uncooked sausages, raw bacon. Mm. So lads would then start going, well, I'm not eating here. And the first closest thing to me were Greg's and the Subway. So lads started going to Greg's and Subway and then they started opening up drive-thrus and then they were, that's what lads were doing. So yeah. the army obviously subcontracted the, the, the catering side of it yeah. to a different company yeah. and obviously they're trying to make a profit out of that. Whereas when, it, when they're doing it themselves, it doesn't matter whether they make a bean as long as the lads are fed. Yeah. And then they obviously obesity re- as reach crit- critical levels, mm. even in frontline regiments. There's a problem with with lads' weights even now. Yeah, yeah but I mean, you, you see it all on movies. You see like Channing Tatum with six pack in Black Hawk Down <laughs> and stuff. I don't think I've seen one soldier with six pack. It's just unrealistic. And then obviously, but that obviously goes on to body image and all that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. I I just never see. I've never seen a soldier, well, maybe one or two. Like I've never seen a soldier with a wood body, and it's getting worse. So you get you got to the, to the, to this level you you, you scraped him yeah the uh, beastie you and you had a target on your back but despite it all you you know you passed out yeah first tour Iraq 
2008. How long are we out there for? Nine months. Nine months for now. I was training solidly for 12 months to get that. And that were intense. Yeah. That were everything from lads that had been out there and lost the limbs. Like, you know, they, they were actors and they had like amputeed bodies on the floor but it were like proper people and you'd go running towards them to simulate a bomb had gone off and they'd have squirting out blood from their thing going in your face and it were trying to get you so for 12 months i were primed that's the best way to put it i were primed ready to go go out to iraq but what they trained me for were not what i dealt with in iraq um obviously i trained because i was a frontline soldier to to kill but when we went out there we were dealing with i won't say a mass genocide but Certainly sectarian genocide um, between Sunnis and Shiites. They were in sort of civil war out there. Was more? Did you feel that like was more of a peacekeeping role that you were that you weren't trained for, or? Uh, yeah. Well, no. I were, we were trained for every situation, from rioting, you know, um, to, to obviously handing out pens and pencils to locals and water and food and all that kind of stuff. But I don't. I don't think any of us prepared. Because I mean, when I went out there, I think I were only. I think I were what. 20 when I went out there and dealing with genocide up to when they were a bit I mean I'm not talking like Kosovo and Bosnia scale you know when you used to see it on news and stuff but it was just next door neighbour were a different sort of religion and they'd you know hack his head off and they'd chuck the bodies on the street and we'd have to go out and how, how do you deal with that at 20? I, I don't know to be honest I don't know I, I, it was just I, I think the thing with you Gary is I think you just you're typical just get on with it don't you yeah you know what i mean so no I, I don't think i don't think it is from from my even just seeing you like playing football when we used to when we were playing together for a few seasons yeah. um and i used to be a bit mouthy on the pitch if someone messed up a pass or something like that and to be fair you just used to go yeah no problem I, yeah. I, and you just kind of you i don't think you didn't take things on board i just think you had something where you were like okay i know I'm all right. I can do this. Yeah, that's and that's the kind of thing what I'm saying. I think I'm saying just, I was dealing with what I was dealing with on a daily basis. I'm, you know, major, majority of the tour in Iraq were just basically standing in a sand, either getting shot at or just looking into a sand, you know, into a desert. But there was instances where you know roadside bombs would go off or underbelly roadside bombs, and you'd have to go to a scene, cordon it off, and you'd see the aftermath. You know, things you wouldn't think about. You'd turn up to a, an American Humvee that had been blown up, and the bullets were still going off from the inside coming out and you don't see that on movies and it, you know it just just it wasn't all the time Iraq was actually pretty boring it were it weren't right it, it it wasn't that bad but it were bad yeah yeah so nine months did you say in Iraq yeah we, I mean we got ill married before we went out there because our sister battalion our first battalion and our second battalion had gone out the tour before us um, and they got massacred they lost really? loads of like the Manchester and Liverpool infantry. They got absolutely so when we were going out there they just thought, you know, they were giving it. Yeah. Had to prepare my funeral, write my will, um, say goodbye to everyone. And then you were gone. And you know what, the funny side is I got a five grand loan out and lived like a king for two weeks as well. <laughs> and, and I come back and I had to pay it off and I were devoured, were proper gutted. You know, live like. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I, I, so I've seen this thing in the paper. Was that was that when you was off to Iraq? 
where you, you're stood in front of a pub and there's a load of lads having a beer and you're having a beer. Is that, was that this time? That was Afghanistan. Right. So this was, was this the second tour you went this on? This was the second tour, yeah. So you come back from Iraq? Come back from Iraq, um, had decompression where you see some person that's not really a psychiatric, it's one of your chain of command and they just say, all right, yeah, all right. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, so. So, so that side of things, did you feel as though at that time that that was adequate? Did you feel as though? Yeah, it was just my job. I just got on, like I said, I just got on with it. Um, I, I had a couple of weeks off and then we got the call to go to Afghanistan in 2010. So I sort of come back from one tour and then I ended up getting primed and ready. You know, I just released myself and then I got primed and ready and we were going out to Afghanistan then in 2010. And what was that like? How long were you there? Uh, nine months. Nine months again? Yeah, yeah. Different from Iraq? Very. You couldn't even walk out your front door without yeah. getting pelted. Yeah, like you, you go 25 metres out of your camp and you get pinned down by eight different firing points. Just constant. You just see them. You just see all the flashes from coming from multiple locations. And all of a sudden, if, if that didn't happen, there'd be an house in it, fly a cart. Cart used to go up. And anyone that were in that area, any insurgents, they knew you were out on the ground and then they'd come hunting for you. And we had an interpreter with us with the radio. And he'd be like, get the big lad, in his obviously Pashtun language, he'd be like, get the big lad with the machine gun. That's you. And it's me. And that, because that's what they know, that's a, the, the greatest weight of fire that can come back at them. So if they can get them. They know it's not yeah, coming back. Or they'll get the person hunting for a bomb at the front. That was such a different experience, Afghanistan, to what Iraq was. To Iraq, yeah. I think in total, you know, I've got, I've got to sort of give a shout out to them. In, in the end, we had, uh, from our regiment, I believe, not confirmed, we had 72 casualties, ranging from hypothermia from when you pin down in ditches in cold water for eight to nine hours. Um, so we had 72 casualties altogether. Um, like I say, ranging from hypothermia to gunshot wounds to the neck, chest, back, legs, whatever. Uh, we had three double amputees, one triple amputee, three or four dead, and two paralysed, and I think one's recovered. So, when all this is going on and you're losing lads left, right, and centre, and and we've obviously touched on it, you just you know the mentality is it's your job. You just get on with it. Is that how you're feeling when when you you're going to bed at night? What's going through your head? I can't sleep at all. I can't, it's funny you've just come on to that. I've, I've bought um, I don't know if you've ever heard of electro fan, and uh, what it were is. It was very, usually, when you're over there, you're in such remote places, surrounded by enemy. The slightest thing would comfort you, and it's a generator. The noise of the generator, the humming. It yeah. just feels a bit like a home or a car or... So I've bought something called an electro-fan, and it's a little black box. Hexagon shape, and it just sits on my bed, and I just turn it on, and it just... Just makes that buzz. Just makes a generator sound. Without that, I can't, because I can hear twigs snapping outside from birds. I can hear... A, a police car, a car on, and I'm just up and I'm awake. And that's just because it's ingrained in you, so yeah. like that. Yeah. I so, mean, I've been 12 years, so. Yeah. It's just something. I've so, so you come, you come back from Afghanistan, you've done nine months there. I what, you know, like you say, you do the decompression where you, 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 you know, your next chain of command and all that. Yeah. How was that one? Was that yeah, more the same or was that? 
Yeah, it were a lot better. Obviously, we were a bit further on in, in obviously deployment terms. But the, the, the army was starting to recognise that lads were coming home and they were losing it, so to speak. And that for me now, bonfire now, still nightmare. I can't, I can't go out. Well, I can go out, but you know, anyone will tell you, I'm just I'm just jumping all the time, especially with you know rockets and stuff that go off. Um, but yeah, they, I think they cottoned on and they. Um, it's got better. To, to this day, now you, you, you're not, you know, you're not in the army anymore. Do you still get support? No. No support once you leave. No, and funnily enough, you've touched on that. Is uh, obviously it's suicide prevention day. I seen your post. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know. Obviously, now I do know. Uh, and again, I'll do a little bit of a shout out to him. That's it. Was only the other month, my thirteenth mate killed himself. What was battle shock? Shell shock. Uh, 13, yeah, 13 it's now post traumatic stress right. disorder because we're, we're mates on Facebook yeah. and I saw you post that and I actually went and got my missus mm. and said have you heard this mm. and uh, I didn't uh, to be fair but I didn't know what to say to you if I'm mm. being perfectly honest yeah, and I said that's that's I, I didn't know what, I, I, I didn't know what to do with that piece of information can't I, I need, it, no can I couldn't and I, well, I had to that's, I that's, that's more it. than I've ever lost while we've been on deployment know people's like the, the latest lad yeah. really good lad just found his feet got a good well-paid job uh you know left kids wife just hung himself so well, that's just I don't know if he has hung him sorry i don't know if he did but he's he's obviously took his own life so that's the 13th the 13th one that's who's 13th mate yeah, in who's months. committed suicide to so 13 other friends of 12 other friends have committed yeah. suicide yeah in 18 months yeah jesus most of them from my regiment because like our regiment were a Northwest Infantry Regiment, so you've got Manchester, Liverpool, Lancashire and Cumbria. And uh, throughout, from 2006, it's sort of been year on, year off, year on, year off, for constant deployments, lads going out. So our regiment's in quite a lot of action, obviously being an infantry regiment, and it's just obviously took its toll. And that's, that's a shocking statistic, though. Because no, yeah. just like, say, going back to that post that you, that you put on, um, it was you were saying if you'd have just spoke to me, I'd, I'd have been there because you were talking about having a beer with a guy and all sorts. Yeah. If I remember it rightly, and it really f hit me. It really, it truthfully, did hit me. Mm. Um, and I was just thinking, Jesus Christ, what? Not not just the fact that it's your mates that you that you've lost, yeah. but I'm thinking, what what have you gone through to get through that? And that's like I say, I'm I'm not prepared for this interview today. So anyway, it's killing me inside. Well, there were a lad called David hard. David Shaw from Barrow in Furness, and uh, this had happened when I come out of army. But I still class it as one of my mates that got killed. You know, he, he was one of my mates. And uh, he was called David Shaw. And there were a firefight happening outside of the camp in Afghanistan. And a stray bullet's come over the, come over a big, you know, 12 foot wall. And it's just pinked out of a building. It's gone through his neck. So the, the statistic, like, the, I don't even know what the mathematical for him to be walking at that point, at that time. That bullet hit that point of the wall and come And hit that through. point of his neck as well, yeah. And he got flown back to Birmingham and he died a couple of days later. His, and I, grew up, I went to his funeral in Barra and there were biker gangs. That it was just the support were unreal. So the support is there from the public. The support's there from the, from the relevant. I mean, it, but you've got to ask for it, I think. And then, yeah. I think that's the problem. You have to ask for it because, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't know where to go now. Mm. But I, no, I don't know. 
just I was going to say Clarbe there where I was going to say, but it was just like say, it, it's a it's a it's a mental issue that I think what your post today is like say just and I think this it's growing and it's changing from what I've seen of that. It's, you can talk about it. You can go yeah. and speak to just your mates down the pub about it. And, and I don't mean what you've gone through because that's like yeah. a completely different level to anything yeah. I think most of the listeners that are listening have ever gone through. But it's that having that, being able to just say, do you know what I mean? I'm struggling or um, talk to it, mate. That, um, Mike, yeah, Mike, I had does. that podcast. It was good on that one. Mm. But, um, I'm not making it out like I've, you know, people's had a lot worse time over there than me. Do you know what I mean? I've obviously. I'm just trying to tell you. Uh, it's not all happened on it, and it, it doesn't happen every. It's, it's over the space of nine months, so you can go like three or four days with nothing, and then you go out and you get absolutely hammered. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's not. It just it, most of the days it is like that, but it doesn't happen every day. That's what I'm trying to. Was it times when you when you thought, you know, when you was out there in that nine months in Afghanistan? Was it times when you thought? That's it. I'm probably not going to come home. Uh, yeah, I think I, when you got that five grand, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I got I got one out before I went for that as well. A bit of a loan, and had a good day with that. Well. Did you do it after that? Did you? I come back and had to pay that off. But uh, uh, I think there were two instances. One of my mates got shot in the chest, and it didn't hurt him. It went through his inhaler. And there's a photo on Facebook. I'll try and show it. Wow. He's, he's got in his inhaler, and it's got a bullet hole in it. And that I just thought an inch left the right. But that's the other the other side of of, of the lad who who you know got shot in the neck. Yeah. Yeah. That was a you know one in a million yeah. chance. That's also one in a million yeah. chance. And obviously we were coming in with holes in the back of our legs, you know, where the the loose materials at the back of your legs and there's bullet hole, bullets gone yeah. through that material at the back of your pants, holes in the back of your comp, your day sacks and your, your your you know your backpacks and stuff like that. So times like that, you, you sort of have to just what's going on in your life. Do you know when you when you're getting pelted and that's going through your sack and whatnot? Does that not? Do you, do you feel that, or do you not? Because it's just taking the the impact. Does it? No, it, it probably did because everything happens so fast and you just don't. You just you don't understand. You just hear a crack and a thump and the crack of the it's the crack and thump and that's. The cracks when it's breaking the sound barrier going past you and the thumps where they are but you've got to try and find them and you're trying to find them you're in the crack and then it's not just crack it's and you, you and then there's the whistle if it if it whistles when it goes past you that's nearly got you and sometimes you can you know that's when you really your head's really in the dirt so to speak trying to avoid it so when all this was going, when you were out there serving, yeah. obviously you said when you're going through all that, you you basic and doing your training and stuff, mm. and you were the big lad there and everything. Did that carry on all the way through, and even when you're in tours, carried stuff, all the way through, did it? Oh. all the way through my tours, except it, it eventually I'd built up the fat fitness and the mile and a half runs just in trainers. I struggled. I pretty much failed everyone. Sort of backhanded everyone to get where I needed to get to. But come on, mate, you're not just past me, kind of thing. Uh, or they put me on a mile and a half downhill. <laughs> and I'd run down there and I get it, you know what I mean? Uh, but with the job I ended up going into, which were an heavy weapon specialist, it benefited me being the big lad because it were the smaller lads that couldn't carry the kit. Yeah. And it were me that were lumping around like a donkey, do you know what I mean? So eventually it did, but I, you got pelted. I think I lost everyone. Lost, I, I, this is what I mean about jeans and stuff. Um, I think everyone lost like five, six, seven stones sometimes. They're coming back gaunt and I think I lost about four pounds. 
what why you were out there uh, yeah I just didn't lose weight <laughs> everyone come back brown body like Greek gods carved from limestone <laughs> and I just come back like a chicken skin they used to call me because I was just bright red just big I'd gone down the belt buckle I'd lost an inch or something and I was just like what is going on here man so what's the scran like out there then? When you're at, is it because I've I've I'm seen them Americans with like KFC it. and stuff. And it's Americans that do it, so it's um, it, it's multinational. So obviously, if it were British just doing it, you, you won't get a sniff. But because I'd always thought that, like when you were saying about the nutrition, I thought it'd have been like, no, you are on chicken, you're on this. This is the yeah, stuff yeah. you need to do. And they do burger and chips. Right. It's just burger and chips. It's just. I think the theory behind it is that the, 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 you do that much exercise, you can eat what you want. Yeah. But I don't think that holds up for a lot well, of people. They say, they say in a section attack, which is so say like you're the enemy, Stu, and I was to assault you. You were they, they, basically the average section attack. You burn four and a half thousand calories right. in an attack that lasts about twelve minutes. Wow. Because obviously you've got your full battle order on, which is fifty odd kilogram, and you're running towards an enemy, and it's usually. Over undulating ground uphills in sand, sweating, water, weapons, and all that. And they say they burn four and a half thousand calories. So that's why your 24 hour ration packs that you get in armour, uh, you don't, in the remote bases where we were, you know, we, we were that cut off sometimes we were near enough running out of water or food because they were shooting at the helicopters when they were coming in. Right, yeah. um, you, 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 the high calorie meals for 24 hours, you get Yorkie bars and nut bars and uh, Gatorades and Lucasade powders and that. everything's just high calories to load you up. Yeah. And that's all right if you're burning, like, say, four thousand calories in twelve minutes. Yeah. If you're not, and you well, yeah, but if you like, generally, like, just doing like the quick maths in my head. If 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 you're not doing burning that that amount, and you you know, like, say, you're a bit of a big lad like yourself anyway, then it's no wonder that you're coming back and not losing weight. It goes from 0 to 100 in a split second. It surprises me that, like, when he sent you to fat camp, that they didn't say, right, well, well you got a fat camp, but we won't put you on a diet. Because mm. I, I think you probably would have just, like you say, just got on and done that as well, Gary. It probably would have helped you to give you a bit of nutritional information to say, you know, and when, you're not, when we're not feeding you and you're feeding yourself, you know, we need to try and do this. Because you're bang on it. When you're trying to lose, you know what I mean, what are you eating in that? I think it just got to the point where, and I will call it what it is, and it got to the point where you were being bullied that much that your confidence was just broke. Mm. Like, like I say, I, I knew I was going to be crap on a run before I even went on a run, and I just couldn't, it, it had done me before I even set off, and it was mental, and I was broke. Mm. That's what it come to, in the end. So how, how did you get yourself through that, then? How did you, because... When you say like I was broke, when you say you when you're broke and you're struggling to sleep at night and all that stuff, mm. because you know you're going for a run, and you know no matter what you're going to do, it's not going to be good enough because you can't do even if you th throttled yourself as hard as you could and you got under that one hour, two hours, and you did it in one yeah. hour fifty nine minutes yeah, and you're yeah. you're buzzing. How can you? How do you pull yourself through that? I, I that that's mental strength. That's mad. I just turn everything off around me. And I just dig in and go. And, and it, if at the end when they shouted at me when I started, like you were getting punched in the chest and kicked and all sorts, you know, ragged about and stuff yeah. like that. Before everything went politically correct and health and safety, man, you were just getting, just getting beatings from every. You know, if you weren't good enough, you were getting beatings. But you, all you got to do, you just that is mad. You just blank everything out around you and you just 
you set your target. Start again. Yeah. Do you think you always had that kind of mental strength, Gary? Do you think you've always had that since that lad called said you won't get in the army because you're too fat when you when you was in the changing room when you was a kid? Do you think you you've always had that kind of mental strength to block everything else out? Yeah, or or, or do you think it's something you've developed through your tours, through your time in the army? Possibly, yeah. Because I I think out of anybody I know, I think you're probably the most mentally strong guy to just get on with things. Out of probably anybody I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say it was been developed over time. Or it's like one of them attitudes that I don't care what anyone says. I'm unfiltered. I don't just take me as I am. Yeah. You know, I, I don't. I don't care if I'm. I just don't care what anyone thinks. Yeah. So you come back Afghanistan. Yeah. First tour. Did you do? A, did you do second tour? Or was you out then? Uh, I was due to go out on a second tour and I got put in the redundancy bracket with Austerity. Right. Um, and that was basically picking fat lads off. And they basically, I got I got put in a, call it a trench two. And it was basically a scoop of lads that were put together and they basically pulled you into office and it was mainly, well, it were anyone that were an eye earner or anyone that looked a bit different and it were basically fat lads. And I, and I went in. It says, right, uh, bed redundant. Um, you're going to take it. And I'm like, oh, I don't. You're gonna take it, because if you don't, then you'll, you know, find something wrong with it, which for me it'd be my mile and a half run, mm. and you'll get kicked out. You get brown lettered. Got a brown letter. They, they serve you the things, and that's you. So the potential there really was for you to go on two tours, horrendous tour in Afghanistan, yeah. come back, and and basically say you've taken the runs, will kick you out. Yeah. How did you, How did you feel about that? I think it was time for me to go anywhere. Yeah. So that's why I basically stuck my fingers up and I says, right, I'm not going out on tour. I just went on sick. I just went on sick for my last nine months of the army, you know. I, 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 I rebelled. Yeah. Well, you can't blame you. Failed all my runs. What, you're going to kick me out? Well, that's how, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd got, I, like, the redundancy things were a £24,000 payout, which paid all my debts off. From living at large before I went. And obviously, give me a bit of a nest egg to find a new job, put me on a secure footing, and um, yeah, I, w- I wasn't doing nothing for him. I was done. Did you feel a bit, a bit let down? Felt let down when I gave him twelve years of my life, and in the in the stroke of a breath, they were seen a bit. Yeah. So you come out. 2012. Paid your debts off? Paid my debts off. Uh, but by that point, I forgot my son. I've had my son at this point as well, so he were one of my key factors. There's no way I were going out there, you know, getting shot and leaving my son out and yeah. dad. Um, yeah, so I've obviously had my son. And um, come out, paid my debts off, and started job hunting. And at first I flicked from job to job because I just. We used to walk in down the street, like ten men, with my uniform on, and then suddenly I'm in an Harvey's top, like driving a lorry or something like that, or shoveling a bit of rubbish up at sight. And, and, and my attitude were bad then because I thought I've done all this for big country, and now I'm getting looked at like this, doing this with a yeah. shovel. Like, I'm better than this, but I weren't because I had no qualifications. I, do you know what I mean? So it were I had a bad attitude. I thought the world owed me something. 
and then I realised that when you come out of the army, no one really gives a sh. No one really cares. Yeah. Um, it's who you know and not what you know. And for me, it was someone who worked for the firm I work for now and said, "Do you want a job?" So what driving license have you got? I said, "I've got them all." I said, "Right, I said, come down to Birmingham because there's nothing in Burnley. The depravity up there is horrendous. There's nothing there. All the industry's gone. Cotton mills have shut down. There's, there's nothing there. So for a lot of Burnley, it's weird. There's a lot of Burnley lads working Birmingham. Right. And when I walked into this main gate, I was expecting a Brummie accent, and it was just a Burnley lad. And I just thought, what's going on here? And it just recruits from Burnley. And right. But he's in Birmingham. And how, how was that? So you went through, obviously, you jumped from job to job a little bit, and you. I was actually trained to go on oil rigs. Is that what you were doing? That that were what I took. Matt, you get like a, a redundant, not a redundancy package, like a resettlement scheme. And I took the. I was going to go on oil rigs. My dad ran oil rigs, um, and did all the underwater helicopter where they drop you in the yeah. swimming pool. Oh, I tell you what, that was scary. I've never felt so vulnerable in my life. Yeah. You know, just getting strapped into an helicopter, dropped in a swimming pool, turned round and upside down and stuff, and you've got to try and squeeze myself out of a. <laughs> A plane window, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and just it was proper bad, man, honestly. And uh, I got trained, and at the time, as I was coming out, uh, I don't know if you remember all that. There were like loads of uh, helicopters just dropping into the North Sea. There was something wrong yeah, with mm. mm. yeah. And then the recession hit, and my dad got made redundant off the oil rig, so that was my way in. And I don't, to be honest, I didn't fancy dying in the North Sea when I survived Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. So I ended up obviously going on to. I'll go posh, road engineering, <laughs> tarmacking. <laughs> when you when you you finally got tarmacking and how how was you f- when you was on tour when you were doing your tours how was you how was your family life then? Uh, non-existent. No. Uh, got you have a phone card. What I've learnt now is prisoners get more a week than what soldiers do on tour. We've got half an hour a week on the phone card you can top it up yourself but I, I believe now prisoners get an hour soldiers get half an hour and you get some sort of like limit like where we were you you, were just, you had a sat phone and there were like 50 lads trying to use it yeah and you were just so remote and cut off that you very rarely run your family and, and uh, to be fair one time when I, when I were in Iraq that's one thing I forgot to mention in Iraq it were you were getting bombed every day there were missiles coming in Every single day, and at Christmas they they heightened it up because they knew that were obviously sort of a Christian sort mm. of, and they knew everyone's guard would be down Christmas and all that kind of stuff. So they fire loads in, and uh, I were on the phone to my mum, and it just they they were a right distinct alarm. I don't know if you've ever seen it on my Facebooks. I've shot, I've shared it a few times, and there's this uh, air air protection weapon, and it fires loads of um, exploding rounds into the air, and it intercepts rockets before it actually lands onto the floor. Yeah. And it's around this thing, and my mum's like, what's going on? And they cut all the phones off then. Right, yeah. Because eventually it kills someone. So you were mid-conversation with your mum when it yeah. went off? just goes off, nice. and it's like, mum, we've got to go. And then they just got to hit the dirt and try and find somewhere. And you could hear them just pounding the tar. You know, they were hitting the floor, and they were getting closer and closer. And that were mainly the tour. You were just hiding. Iraq. So when, at what point did you meet your lovely fiancé? Went on plenty of fish <laughs> because I work nationwide and I just seen a pop up. Oh, what year was this? It was 2013 and 
she just popped up on she's from Blackburn my missus I was just Burnley and Blackburn we don't really so I just thought yeah you're, you're fit here I'm just going to send you a little just see what you say like dropped her one about a week later still nothing and then and then he come about do you think that having come out and and uh been through what you've been through and, and you're torn and everything do you feel as though that affected your relationship at the start do you feel as though she was just, a bit of a rock for you or well, to be fair my profile picture at that time were me in my army uniform and she thought i went home <laughs> and she said that's why she got back in touch with me and then when she found out we're talking back and she was like what's going on here i've been going in a couple of weeks but uh yeah no uh just confident i'm a confident kind of person like i just I love how you're doing, and then I just talked, just talked yeah. to her, sort of into bed, that, you know, and then, <laughs> then we stayed with each other, which is good. Looking back on, on, on the tours and, and just talking about tours, and um, obviously discussing a lot of guys who, who, who've taken their own lives, a lot of your friends. Mm. Like, do you feel that when you left the army, you, you had a touch of PTSD? Do you think you've still got it? I think I've got it. Yeah. Not never diagnosed. I won't go and get diagnosed because it's not um, it's not got to a. I, like, I'm one of them. If there's something wrong with me, and, I, and I'll just say, Stu, Ross, wrong. I'm gonna kill myself. You know, I'd, I'd say it. Mm. I, I wouldn't put cryptic messages on, or I wouldn't keep it to myself because I'm gobby, and yeah. I have to, I'll get it off my chest, and I and I will seek the help. I'd, I'd never want to hurt myself because obviously I've got children and and my missus and family that will. It just never, it'll never cross my mind. Bonfire nights, um, loud bangs, sleeping, anxiety. That's what it is. It's anxiety. Mm. I think. I'm always anxious. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of them things. It'll never leave me. Ever. Ever. Just as long as, like you say, Gary. You know, I think you 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 are a talker, and that probably helps. But not everybody is a talker. No, so you know. So you come to Man V Fat, how did that come about? Uh, three things obviously um, triggered me to come to Man V Fat. Well, f- well, you know, I first seen it advertised on Facebook, dismissed it. Because I've tried them all, as everybody has. Tried the Juice Plus, tried the Atkins, tried the 5 1, 5 2 diet. The Atkins tried. is good for a week, isn't it? Just eating nothing but meat. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I would bang at that Juice Plus and I lost £2 in two weeks. And I was starving. Me and my missus were going at each other because she was doing it with me at the same time, yeah. and it just, it just it makes just, you massively irritable, doesn't it? Oh, just, it just, they're just fads, aren't they? You can't sustain no. them kind of diets. Uh, so obviously, one of the like the third, I had to buy, you know, the classic. I had to buy a wedding suit. Uh, one of my mates from the army were getting married, and I really wanted to go. You know, and it didn't even trigger me that I was still fat then because I went to Giacomo because that was the only place I could find somewhere. So, do you think you you put weight on since you left the army? Yeah. No one had told me. Well, they don't, do they? No one had told me, and obviously that'll lead on to one of my points. Um, you know, your mum's oh, you're beautiful. Your missus <laughs> yeah. is like, oh, I fancy you. And, like, yeah. and then I'm looking at mirror and I'm still seeing this proud kind of person. And uh, I had to get a, a, a suit from my mate's wedding. And uh, I can remember going to Giacomo, and I was like, 52 waist. And I looked at it. But it was going 52, 54, 56, 58. And I can remember saying, oh, well, I'm not that big. I said, because there's still like 20 sizes above me. Yeah. You know, I'm like the skinniest person, in, like the skinniest person buying, the, you know. And it still didn't twig in my head. Uh, 
I had that same thing because like, I went I went Giacomo and I was like oh god I'm on like one of the smallest sizes here yeah. so I'm doing alright I'm a buzzy I'm a honest <laughs> god I thought yeah, well, I you like just got to look at what one of the biggest how big one of the biggest sizes yeah, 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 I yeah. thought I look like a tic tac compared you know <laughs> coming here I look like a tic tac you know but uh, the second one was um, we haven't really touched on it but my son passed away and uh, I seen it was quite a public affair because you know what mums are like oh giving birth this was this was your son Billy yeah my son Billy yeah and uh, my mum had obviously put herself in location at the hospital and everyone were firing questions for it like how's the baby how's this how's that so I sort of went public because at the time um, it was pretty clear from the off that something wasn't quite right so he was born in Blackburn um, because there was nothing on scans or anything to say otherwise Uh, when he when he come out, obviously my misses. Um, when he take when you take your first breath, one flap in your heart shuts and one opens, and that didn't happen, so he couldn't breathe. So he got put on oxygen, uh, and then sort of all fire broke loose. Um, the the midwife pushed the panic button. I had pediatricians and nurses and midwives and coming flying in from like five different doors, and I didn't even know where they were. They were just it was just all a bit of a blur. Uh, they got an ambulance rung up uh, to come from Burnley. Um, they transported him to Burnley and WLR. We got there. Um, they were sort of misdiagnosed at first, saying he had some sort of uh, genetic disorder because he'd started to swell up at his throat and his head had started. It was just, they weren't nice. Um, so then we were on Google then trying to say, well, what's this, what's this? How can you live with this disease? And, you know, it, it wasn't called Noonan's. It's, it's like something a bit more severe than Down syndrome and we were just, just heads were everywhere. And then um, we got a phone call. We, we, we ended up coming home that night because my missus were in bits because obviously all the new mums had got the babies next yeah. to them and she were in a room listening to babies and her son were obviously in a bad way. Uh, went home, uh, got a phone call saying um, he needs to get transported to, um, is it St Mary's? Uh, Mia in Manchester. Yeah, in the middle of it. Yeah, 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 yeah St yeah. Mary's Children's Hospital. Um, we can't do well for him here, so to speak. Um, went there. It were there for two or three days. Um, it was my missus's birthday that he got. We got told that he were gonna die. Um, but his stats rose, and we thought, oh yeah, we've got him. So then, then they seen a window, and they said basically that we're gonna we're gonna get him over to Alderney in Liverpool, and we're gonna we're gonna try and do that. It, it was he had an heart defect, so they were gonna try and obviously operate and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the reason why it took them so long is there were um, a bed crisis. There were no, there were no beds, so from he could have got airlifted from Burnley to Alderney because that were an option, but yeah. there were no beds. So they went to the next best place, which was St Mary's. Um, we got the phone call again because we were travelling every night because we've got other kids. We had to try and keep it normal. Uh, right, he's getting transported to St Mary's uh, to Alderney from St Mary's. Um, we're just letting you know now he's in such a bad way. This is the only window we can get him there. But he's in such a critical condition, he could die on route. So we were just like, do what you've got to do. So this is when the army, the army kicked in. Then is this? Do you think this is where? Yeah, you're... it just kicked in. My missus were hysterics. I just went, do what you do. If he dies, on where he dies. My missus were just, she couldn't believe what she was hearing. And I just said, do what you've got to do. If he dies, on where then you've tried, he dies. Mm. You know, and that's not the attitude to have with your children, is it? It's something that just booted in my training. Got to older air. We were there for three days, um, and then there was this Indian doctor, and he come in. I can remember it now. 
in, in they were like a junior doctor and a, a junior midwife nurse, and they just come in and they just said, um, they, they'd done everything they could there. They were up to thought kidney dies, kidneys were failing, and everything because well, when we, when we got there, they'd done something there, and all the swelling had gone, and it just looked like a normal boy. And we said to each other, I said, "Oh my God, we've got him back here. He's, he's going to give you a little bit of hope." Yeah, we, we just couldn't believe it. Yeah, and um, three days later, so nothing had progressed. And, uh, the doctor come in and he, he, he had a bit of a tear in his eye. I felt I felt sorry for him that he was telling us this. And obviously, we, we, we knew what was coming and He just basically said, we're putting the morphine in now and he's wincing. It's not working. He's declaring himself to us. And I just said to, I, I just said to the missus, I said, what do you mean? Well, my missus said to me, he said, he's declaring himself. I said, he's going to die. And then we just, you know, there was that moment there where it just went right quiet, def, deafening, like you, you could hear everything in your ears. And uh, he says, yeah, uh, so we'll do it for tomorrow morning. Uh, we'll turn his life support machine off. If any family need to see him, because he'd just been hospital, hospital, hospital. No one had seen him or met him or anything. 13 days old he were. Um, if, if they want to see him, they need to come and see him and say the goodbyes tomorrow, because it's obviously happening later on in the morning. Like, to be fair, all my missus's mates come over, all my family come over, there were like 30, 40 people turning up, you know, everyone showing solidarity, we were, we're right nice to see. And then um, the Saturday morning come, I use the term loosely, but my dad showed up at the 12 hour, we don't have a relationship with me and my dad. Um, he managed to even see him. Um, and then we got took into a side room which was still on the ward. There were still beds in front of this side room. It was just like a door, a glass door with a shutter on it. Um, me and my missus went and sat in there. They were a junior midwife there. And um, they sort of brought him in. He'd, he'd gone from like 15 machines down to just the one. Um, and it, 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 surreal. They, they turned the machine off and he just died in my arms. Didn't even breathe. Didn't even take a breath. Didn't even want to, just, I can, they were a tube and it must have been about the size of a ruler. And obviously you can imagine a newborn baby, the tube had gone all the way down and I can, the noises when they were pulling the tube out, the, mm. didn't even, didn't even breathe. And he just died in my arms. And then, um, we put him on the bed and my missus finally got to hold him because he'd not held him, he'd been hooked up to all machines. Um, we, we washed him and I, I think, I'd have, looking back now, I'd have rather him died in Manchester because the bed sores he had, the swelling, the bruising, the... I, f I think it was selfish of us trying to save him, but it weren't. No, it wasn't. You, you've, you've got to give him the chance, haven't you? Yeah, but obviously he passed away and that's why I wore number 13 at OB City because obviously yeah. 13 days old were weird. We were born on 13, 13, like 13, 13, like in the afternoon. He, he was 13 days old when he died. His funeral were on 13th of April. Like he were, his registered death was 13, 26. It, it was just, it was, I'm just yeah. obsessed with that number now. It's weird. Um, it was all coincidental, of course, like, but. Um, You're going to get down to 13 stone. I'm going to get down to 13. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> this is what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But, um, How were you after that? I were alright. It was weird. 
because oh, don't, don't get me wrong all the way up from dying I think I cried myself dry um, my missus were the same she, we were just exhausted by this point we'd not slept for 13 days we were just exhausted um, I, the army had come on and I think at the funeral a bit of PTSD crept out in me um, a bit of selfishness but uh, obviously going back to the original thing uh, there were a photo it would telegraph because it were well publicised it were through my shady past at football the police ended up being involved at the funeral because they thought it was going to turn instead of it being my son's funeral it was Burnley versus Blackburn and it, and it yeah. was never going to go that yeah. way uh, we were trying to find locations in Blackburn for the for the wake and stuff and no one were taking us on because they just thought the hatred and the fight they'd just be fighting and it would just it was never that's when that town took me in Blackburn took me in it's been a dingle they, they eventually you know put their arm around me and I've not had any problems yeah at all but the Telegraph Lancashire Telegraph um, took photos of me carrying my son's coffin into the church yeah I've seen that and um, I looked at myself and I was just sick I thought people have seen that photo people seeing me and I'm, I've got to burn the shit I just felt ashamed that I'd got because obviously with him that I wasn't so much crying I was eating so I was sort of comfort eating I think takeaways every night McDonald's every night when we were over on in Ronald McDonald house and stuff like that it were Chinese or Subway just bu, 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 do you know what I mean even, yeah. even in hospitals only I've got real is a Subway yeah uh, and I was just disgusted and ashamed and then obviously me the final straw for me was going on an old army reunion in Blackpool um, and I got fat shamed like proper fat shamed so this this was off um, guys from your regiment yeah so obviously my son died in the April the funeral everything had gone by I'd also put more weight on and I'd gone to this army reunion in the, in the July and obviously they'd not seen me because I'd been working so they'd not seen me since I left the army in 2012 and obviously now it's um, 2016 and I've obviously put probably about six or seven stone on since he last seen me and uh, my mate, in fact I'd not seen him, he was one of them that got shot in Afghanistan and I'd not really seen him since and uh, a bit of a weird, I couldn't ask him how he were or anything like that, I just, I just just try not to hit things like that head on and um, just said god he said you're fat now and I'm like alright but that's how army lads talk to each other and you took it but then like this bloke we were going to the toilets in this pub and this bloke I just shaved my head and this bloke and here can I rub my head I've heard rubbing a bowl shiny head's good luck and all this lot and he went to rub my head and he went oh don't touch him he said you'll end up with lard on your fingers and stuff and I just took him to one side and said listen mate I said I don't mind a bit of banter I said, if you carry on, I said, I'm not you out. I said, you've crossed the line. I said, you're embarrassing me now. I said, and it is embarrassing. And it went on. And to be fair, I did well to not even touch you. <laughs> and it just went on, and I come home, and then it was just like a, I don't know what, what do you call it, a spark. Yeah. The light bulb moment. Man, man, man V finding up on my Facebook. And it was weird, because I'd not even searched it, and it, it was just on the advertisements. And I just clicked on it. Well, I used to be alright at football, I got to a good level in army sort of thing and I'll, 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 I'll give it a call. And then when I found out we were Manchester as well, I was like, I'm working here, I'm here most of the year. And then I joined, I just signed up, waited list, ended up in OBC. I think I waited about three weeks and then I, we were just in it. I don't, I don't know, it was weird, like, we just, like, just got to come to the wing. Obviously it's a bit 
awkward at first yeah, no one really it. knows anyone or personality or anything and then then when you start getting into it it was great like and for me obviously trying up i think it was my first weigh-in with Sven, and i lost like two and a half kilogram i actually stood on the scales and it and it had gone two and a half kilo, and i so I went on to Google and I converted it into pounds <laughs> yeah, or whatever because I, <laughs> I didn't know what kilograms were and uh, why do they do it in kilograms? Why don't they just do it in pounds? What? what? Well, anyway, so I've gone, system, on, it? <laughs> just gone on there and I'd lost something like, I think it was something like three, three and a half pounds or something like that for two kilograms and I thought, oh my God, I what? Clicked. Mm. Like that. Yeah. Never looked Combating back. Combating with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel that not only the weight loss side of things that you, you just spun out of a pretty shitty time? How not do you think how the lads helps and the, the camaraderie helps and being able to talk? It's something I never told anyone at OBC10. This is an exclusive, a man very fat exclusive. <laughs> uh, I was still smoking. Yeah. I run 30 a day. Not, not, not when I was playing with yous, I'd come off 30 a day because obviously from what had happened with my son, I'd come off 30 a day, so I was still having a crafty couple of fags and I was still on puffer, you know, a, a vape. Yeah, yeah. And I was heavily on that. And then when I played my first game with Marsha, and my chest nearly fell out, like my lungs nearly come out through my mouth, and I thought, I need to stop. So I'm going through all that and then having to start the weight loss, and I was quitting smoking at the same time, and no one really knows that. And it's that difficult, like, you know. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if someone could come to me now and was like, I want to try and give up smoking, I want to try and lose weight, I would genuinely say, like, pick one. Because to do two is really hard. Yeah, it were, it were hard. And it, it's harder with lads I work with, because they all smoke like 50 yeah. roll-ups a day, they're all old boys, you know, and they all smoke. But, yeah, I tried doing, well, I did two things at once. Good. And, and, and like I say, the lads, and, and being in the WhatsApp, and... And, and WhatsApp are a godsend. I mean, I won't reveal some of the <laughs> obscenities. That, uh, but they are crackers. You know that that's what keeps you going. Everyone talks to each other. I, I can't. I don't know if it'd work without the WhatsApp groups. I think it, I think it would definitely be a different program. Yeah. Because obviously, when you're having a rubbish time, you're like, oh, I've just had a green cake, and then someone's like, it's all right, eight two, but then it's like, don't <laughs> it's do it again Ross. next week. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's just everyone bounces off each other, and it's. And I think it's all because because it, it's all lads. Like yeah. if, if it were girls as well, I, I'd feel if you put on, I'd just feel even more embarrassed and a bit more. Yeah, it's ashamed. a shame. I think that that's down to your kind of team building from all like the way you threw it. Is if you if you put if you put weight on, you're letting the rest of everybody else of your kind yeah. of team down, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and that's the bit. I that's why it worked with me. Is I was like I didn't want to let any of you guys that's, down. That's, that's how I it was, works. I was grafting to do that. That's how it works. But, but sometimes I do fitness six days. I've done it with Stu when he's been weighing me in. Done fitness six times a week. Been on point with my diet and I put hundred grams on and I'm like, I'm quitting. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going Burger King. You know all that. Yeah, I'm yeah, probably yeah. just. So, like, sometimes it genuinely just happens that way. Like, sometimes genuinely just you have them days when you think I've had a perfect week. I tell you one thing as well. A little secret for me. I don't know if. It'll work for anyone else. I have not once cooked mayonnaise out, sauce, ketchup, gravy, curry sauce, peas. Not cooked condiments out at all. I still spray all my food with mayonnaise. I mean, spray it, <laughs> which I reckon I could have probably, if I'd have wound my neck in a little bit more, I could have lost a lot more. But 
I've lost like close to six stone now, doing it my way, in a way that I think is sustainable. That's trying to but, make me but feel. That's, but that's, yeah, that, that's we're exactly what it's about, Ross, isn't it? Yeah. It's about you've got to do it. Listen, we could you could come here and and you get this sometimes with new starters and they're like, <coughs> uh, are they sending me a diet plan? No. <laughs> and it, well, do you do extra? Do you do traces? No. Like what we do is we let you guide us you've got to guide yourself you've yeah. got to do it there's no point in me saying right uh, Gary you've got to cut out all mayonnaise you've got to eat broccoli three times a day if you don't like it don't like it and you're that's a perfect way of doing it yeah. still have your sources so I've got to cut back from somewhere else and, and to be honest it's them week or two's off as well I remember coming back we all be sitting and I put about eight kilogram on in a week <laughs> I can remember a time though, Gary, when you walked into the weighing room at a registration eating a Burger King. It was what? It was a double quarter pounder or something. Double XL thing oh, for yeah. King, Just yeah. about to wait for a new season. We were was. talking about it earlier on, yeah. He pulls up with a double waffle in his mouth. I don't believe it, like they were there with cameras and stuff and obviously. Yeah, they were filming at the time as well. Everyone eats healthy, you know, we're doing it for the thing and I come in with a bag of chips and a double XL whopper meal or whatever it is. Believe it. But that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like you say, because we, we were talking about you talking about the WhatsApp groups. I'm we've Stu's mixed the teams up in the Manchester League, um, and it's it's not going as much as, mm. um, and I think that's why we're now bottom of the table. If I'm honest, genuinely do, um, because it's not got that same mm. that same kind of right. Okay, what's everyone doing? How is it going? And to be fair, there's, we try. People try. I'm probably not on it as much as I should be. If I'm perfectly honest, but it's that having that kind of because you need to know each other you need to get to know and um, I had a lad that had, that had gone over his start weight this week um, and I said and I said to him do you know where you went wrong and he went yeah it was, I was at a birthday party I had two birthday parties he said and that was my weekend so I was, I'd gone I'd, I put too much weight on I was like well, as long, that's the thing if you know where you've gone wrong and you've got the actual idea of how you can make it better and you can make it work then that's the key if you sit down with a guy and he, and he goes do you know what I've, I don't understand what's going on and like you say you do get those odd weeks yeah. where you go honestly I've been good but I don't know what's going on yeah. but if you sit down with someone and they just genuinely don't know and they're going well all I've had is three chicken wraps for my lunch with but with mayonnaise, you know what I mean, on top of it, you're like, well, do you know actually sat and worked out how many calories that is? Mm. Do you know how many, how many miles you've got to run to go and burn that one of them wraps off for? Yeah. How bad is just a wrap for you? Yeah. And all that, and, and that's, I think, is the is the. Our obesity WhatsApp group were absolutely immense. I left Manchester to go to work, obviously nationwide, come back, I ended up with another team in Manchester. Uh, the WhatsApp group were just it were I was just posting sweaty selfies and just giving it large and I was getting nothing back. Yeah. And I, I think I lasted about three weeks so I left. Uh, and then uh, Neil Skip gives a message. He said, "Do you want to come and Salford?" And I were roaming in our because obviously I'm in East Manchester where my digs are, and that's in Old Sul in Salford and my old road works around the uh, end yeah, yeah, yeah. of Mancunium. I thought, oh, I'm gonna get there and stuff, but I found my own little crafty way now to get there. And uh, he just said, you want to come Salford? He said, I need a striker. And I was just like, yeah, go on then, why not? <laughs> if it's your did, you, did you put weight on when you left? Uh, I've been, I put about four kilogram on. That's nothing. Man. That's no, what not. I seem to put on when I, when I leave. I, I, I leave for two months or something. And it's about four kilogram. And I know exactly where I'm going wrong because I, I just go back into my old ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll just go get a Greg's. I'll get myself a bacon, sausage, egg and cheese and black, black pudding butter. And I mean, just before I started back up with Stu uh, at Salford this time, I were in WhatsApp group with lads. I said, lads, how bad are black puddings? He says, oh, they're bad. 
says, all right. I said, because I keep having to a day. I said, I can't stop. I said, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know what I mean? It's, if it weren't for Neil, I, I don't think I'd have gone back. But that, that Scott, Scott and I were a really good team. Yeah. So for the, the WhatsApp group, I found I found my love. Like I found my OB City. You know, I was going to sleep, crying myself to sleep with my green shirt from OB City, <laughs> with my two stars on from the league titles. Um, but is it three now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, retired three. Retired three. And I was just crying myself to sleep. And then Scott and Arms popped up. And now we're just like the purple machine. Uh. It's good when you get that. And it, it doesn't happen in all WhatsApp groups. but And it does take time. Oh yeah, it does. It's, it's, and, the, it's and, the, and they evolve as well, particularly when um, you know you get to maybe halfway through a season like we are in Manchester, and the, the teams could evolve. Lads say it's not for me, and they leave, and new lads come in, and all it takes is one or two lads to get it, and then the next thing you know, you're absolutely flying. Yeah, yeah and I'm still gutted that we we lost the um, was my first season in Salford. We lost the league, and I can't go to sleep because of it. <laughs> we lost. We we won the weight loss. We won the pitch. And we lost by a point. And mm. Black Forest took it. Was that uh, Man City? Man City. And great name. I've just stood there at presentation. You know, when yeah, the league champions of Man City. I'm going, <laughs> just face screwed up. Not even wanting. I can't sleep because of it. Because I just, it just baffles me head that we won everything but didn't win. Yeah. And I were gutted. Head to heads, you see. Got to win them head to heads. But uh, we had a, um, Adam. Who got the golden move? He's an absolute well. He, he was an absolute godsend. I think he lost. What, what did he lose? You know, he, he lost were, about seventeen percent. Adam Langley. No, 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 no. Adam, Adam Breeze. Adam Breeze. But yeah, but the the, the thing with you, Gary, is and I think you get a bit of a not a rough ride, but I think people judge you early on mm. before they meet you, before they get to talk to you. Um, I think the thing with you is you walk in that weighing room at Salford every Thursday. You're always happy. You're always buzzing to be there, whether you've you've you know uh, lost weight or not lost weight. You'll talk to everybody. Uh, you want to talk about food and exercise and, and football and and I think a lot of lads who don't know you judge you quite early on. Mm. I think you probably had that probably a little bit in your life anyway. I get, I get for some reason everyone says that. I think the old stocky, bald, tattoos. Just get that. Like, my missus even said she, she said like she, she just wouldn't approach me in a nightclub. I look like one of them. Like, I can't put it any other way. I look like a bastard. She said. <laughs> I've got a bastard eyes, and I look like a bastard. She said I would not approach. But she said when you talk to you and you get on a level, you're right. She said, but you just I don't know. It might be the like your gait, the way you walk, the, like the way you present yourself and stuff. I might come across as macho, but I, I, you know I'm quite happy just having. All them days would be behind me, do you know what I mean? We'd be yeah. chewing, I wouldn't. I like to have crack, and if anything's got anything wrong with him, I'd, like, I'd rather talk to him because I've been through, obviously, like everyone knows now, I've been through quite a bit in my life, so it'd be nice to know what other people's gone through. Yeah. And then I can say, well, you know, well, it's not that bad, I, that's, try that, and then, but what I think big, the big problem to me might be small to someone else, and what I think. Why are you depressed with that? That might be small to me, but it's big to them. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. That's something that's evolving. It's all relevant to how you, who you are and how your life is. Yeah. Gary, that was brilliant, mate. Thanks oh, for coming great. to do that. Uh, we'll be back with episode 30 coming soon. We're on a little road trip, aren't we? Yeah. A little. Well, yeah, a, little. Right. a, bit, of a bit of a big road trip. Uh, yeah, so we'll be back soon. 
Gary, thank you as ever, Roman. Thank you as ever, Ross. Thanks, mate. No problem. See you soon. Great to be here. <laughs>